welcome to Johnston River of Life. If you're wondering, that particular version is it's the paraphrased message. Um, we're familiar with, well, 1 Corinthians 15, and often you hear it at funerals, and it's the resurrection hope, and we've been kind of digging into um, Paul's 1 Corinthians and 15 the last couple weeks. So here we are, kind of bringing it into a close, and yet, as I was looking at these words really paraphrased, bring it to a, a different way of understanding it. When I read this, I hear it different, more relationally, conversationally, and it invites me to think deeper. I don't know about you, actually I can guess, most of you, how many of you grew up um, that every spring something you experienced was seeds. Seeds was a, is a part of our life. I, I mean, you're in Iowa, seeds are a part of our life. I, I remember growing up and every spring we would plant a large garden. Um, I remember mom and I and sister and dad, and we'd be out there planting, whether it was pea or bean or carrot or corn or squash or lettuce or you name it, and I was always amazed at and how small they were, most of them. And I do remember at times, I remember mom asking, um, hey, would you go grab the carrot seeds? Okay, this is when as a kid, I was so thankful for those little packages that have pictures, right? I mean, seriously, if you throw a bunch of seeds together and you try and guess what some of them are, you can't do it. Now, I, okay, a pea, you can guess. A bean, you can probably guess. You, you can guess some of them, but when you get to some of the smaller ones, Carrots, radish, broccoli, some of those others all mingled together. I suppose with practice and time, not as a child, I could have figured out what those seeds were. I remember one year I started a special project, um, just kind of having fun. How many of you, um, when driving once in a while, stop at the gas station, grab something to snack on? Anybody? Okay, one of those things that I would snack on was corn nuts. My parents would give me corn nuts. I still like corn nuts. Anybody like corn nuts? Okay, good. I'm not alone in that. Uh, corn nut was, is tasty. I remember one time as a kid when I was eating that package inside, there, there was an opportunity. You could mail in. You could request seeds to plant. And I thought, oh, now that's cool. I can grow my own corn nuts and see what that would be like. Okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And I ordered them, and I got those packages, and I thought, this is, this is exciting. I can see what's going to happen. I also decided I was really going to be, you know, take a risk and experiment. And I took some, we had some Native American Indian corn, beautiful, colorful corn. Now, if you know what that looks like, some of the ones that I had were really small, really small corn, and really small seeds, colorful, but small. I thought, well, what's this going to do if, you know, uh, it'd be fun to see them together, I thought, initially. So I planted, I planted the row of the corn nuts, and I planted a couple rows of the Indian corn, and I watched them grow all summer. It was just a fun experiment, and by the end of the summer, I remember thinking, well, the, you know, the Indian corn was, it was tall, but it was, sh it was short, really. It really was maybe as tall as I am now, and, and of course, the corn cobs were, were smaller, and they were colorful and beautiful, but standing next to them were these corn nut, corn plants that were like 12 feet tall. They were so, I could not believe how tall they were. And they're, they're reaching up to the, to the heavens, and I'm thinking, wow, those things are, interestingly enough, guess what? Part of my experiment, I 
pulled those off and I looked at, guess what? I had some interesting interplay between the two plants. Can you imagine? Um, and, and it was interesting to see what resulted. It was a curious mixture of beautiful blend. And that particular year, I remember I went through and I picked out different seeds. I thought, oh, this one looks really cool. And this one looks really cool from different plants. And I planted them the next year. And then I planted the next year. And I did that for about three years just to see what would happen of the blending or the cross-pollination of some of this. And it was beautiful and always curious as an experiment. Seeds come in every shape, every size. They look different. Actually, anybody have, could you pick the most annoying seed? That was mine too. Cockleburs growing up, playing outside, running around, and coming home with, you know, legs filled with cockleburs. Now there's the little tiny little ones, and there's the bigger ones, and they're prickly, and they're sharp, and they're annoying. And if you've got a dog with long hair that runs outside wild, and you love it when they come in, and they're just like matted, clumped with cockleburs, those are seeds. And it's a way of dispersion and, and moving the plants around. Uh, most beautiful, of course, I have to say, it, it's a little bit of Scotland blood in me, most beautiful seed's got to be the thistle, right? Why? Yes! But if you're going to go for a, a beautiful seed, you might think that, oh, if you're going to think of something that floats like that, maybe you go with the dandelion. Milkweed, I was, I was at, on my list. Milkweed or cattail or cottonwood. Th seriously, think about the beauty of a midsummer snowfall. And so, okay, it might get in the way, it might annoy you, but think of the beauty of that. And the truth is, if you didn't know better, if you didn't know what was happening, and you see all this snow in the air, this, this cotton floating around, if nobody had ever told you, would you guess that that would produce such a beautiful, large tree? What would grow forth from it? We can't really know or understand. And this passage that... Paul is inviting us to think about, invites us to think about what is possible in a spiritual birth. Interestingly enough, I did look up um, the oldest germinated seeds. The oldest, well, there's two that um, come up near the oldest. First one I found was the uh, um, Chinese lotus seed that they had that was 1,300 years. Of course, we're able to carbon date and get pretty close to what that time frame is, how long they've been sitting there just waiting, basically dormant or the husk that is dead encasing that embryo just waiting to give birth to some new life. 1,300 years. They also found four date palm seeds at Masada in Israel, 2,000 years old. They planted them and one grew. One grew. 2,000 years that thing was waiting waiting for the conditions to be right, for the soil, for the moisture, for, for the opportunity to grow. Interestingly enough, seeds are used often in Scripture, and you're familiar with many parables or stories that are in there, but if you look back at creation in Genesis 1, you find out that seeds are used as signifiers, and they're given names as sources of renewal of life and God's promise of renewing life constantly through the seasons. If you look at Leviticus 27, you notice that God is talking about how, how seeds are, are valuable. 
Seeds are a source, a, a gift to us, kind of like we return our tithes and our offerings to God. Seeds are a gift. Think about what the grocery stores would look like. Actually, it wouldn't take long. <laughs> you could say next season, but it wouldn't take that long. What would it look like if we didn't have seeds to plant every year? So in Leviticus 27, it says that we should give a tithe of our seed back to God. And I don't know about you, but I, I uh, served a church for a while that they would have a Lord's portion sale. And every fall, guess what? The first thing they'd do um, as they were bringing in the harvest, they'd give, have a Lord's portion sale and they'd bring in a, a tithe of the seed to represent their commitment, their giving. In Isaiah, we find, Isaiah 55, we find that Isaiah describes these seeds as God's capacity to accomplish God's purposes, to produce, to give gifts and blessings. Jesus talk, talks about seeds in his parables in, in Mark 4 and Luke 8 about how seeds are a proclamation of the word. They represent the word, and in fact, that word finds root in poor conditions that might wither or be crowded out, but in other conditions, it produces a bountiful fruit. In another parable, Mark 13, Jesus compares it to a tiny, a tiny mustard seed to the fact that it is like the kingdom that brings shade and shelter and new birth. Or another parable, he says that over time, a seed grows into something, he who knows not what or how. But here in 1 Corinthians 15, we find Paul talking about a seed, talking about this seed as resurrection. He's been talking about bodily resurrection. He's been talking about the potential, the hope for new life in Christ. And now he brings it about to this the seed analogy. He brings it about talking about, um, about how important the body is, but also how important the spirit is. He's talking about the value of both and, essentially. And last week we talked about how he's validating the fact that the body is good and it's intentional. It's, it's for a season. The spirit is also a gift and a blessing. There's a natural progression or development along the way, if you will. But at this point in the passage, he, and it's fun reading it in the message because it's written a little different. He basically says, stop trying to figure it out. You're not going to find somewhere that's got it all drawn out or mapped out. There's not a diagram for how this transition happens. It's not there. In fact, he kind of says, it's absurd to think that you're going to get it figured out. In this life, we can't see that. But he's very clear that it's really not reanimation. It's not like taking a 95-year-old corpse and saying, we're just going to start right where you left off. No, it's more like the, the seeds that we're talking about, how, how in a dormant phase they're waiting for spiritual and new birth. They're waiting for an opportunity to grow, to bring life and a new life. And something that is radically different doesn't look the same, radically different, much bigger, much more glorious, and much more potential. Think of the potential in a new plant that's growing and the fruit that will come from it versus a seed that is just waiting. Truth is, in this life, Paul talks about it in other places too, that knowing who we are, knowing uh, what we are, 
and knowing the gifts that we've been given in the flesh, it's a good thing. In fact, that we start with that. We, we know that that's a part of the discipleship journey. We have to start by knowing who we are in our flesh, and yet we shouldn't have to stay there. There's a difference between contentment with who we are and who we are in Christ compared to complacency. And the truth is, we're called to be content with the blessings and the gifts and who we are, but we're also called not to be complacent. It's part of our discipleship journey as we move forward, as we grow and we reach higher, as we dig deeper in our lives, both body and spirit. We can become more healthy, stronger. The truth is, um, we're getting ready for Lent, and as we're getting ready for Lent, we know the first thing that's going to happen, what's, not this coming Wednesday, but what's the next Wednesday? It's Ash Wednesday. What do we do on Ash Wednesday? Imposition of ashes, we put a mark on our forehead, and we're reminded from dust you come and dust we return. The truth is, no matter how we look at it, at some point in time in our life, we have to get content with the fact that we're mortal. There's a mortality to us. We have to know that that's part of human life. And we celebrate, we celebrate that, we don't necessarily celebrate, but we mark ourselves recognizing that this is a phase or a gift of what God has given us, this physical life. But it's, it's not something that we look at and say, well, it's just done. As Christians, we believe that there is hope for resurrection, something that is spiritual, something that offers us hope beyond anything we can see or know. We are physical beings. And he talks about, in this passage, he talks about how the first Adam represents the physical, that gift of the spiritual that we have, that husk, that shell that, that we grow in, we mature in, but then there's a hope for something more. There's a possibility to become like Christ, the spiritual Adam. We can become like Christ as a revelation to the world, a manifestation ourselves of God's hidden possibilities lying within us, just waiting to grow into life that truthfully death cannot end. While there's more to the spiritual life than we can grasp, we have to know that these seeds, these seeds of life are greater than we can understand, greater than we can imagine. But it's not about waiting either. I don't believe that the spiritual life takes hold at the point of death or at the point of resurrection. I believe, as Jesus said, the Spirit is ignited in each one of us through the Word of God. I believe that the Spirit is ignited in us today, presently. It's not something we have to wait for this seed to begin to grow. In fact, I, I believe we don't have to be content or complacent with the seed that's been placed in our life. In fact, we have a responsibility to actually grow deeper, to reach higher, to be more present, and to offer more of Christ to the world around us. You know, preparing for, for Lent, and um, I'm going to share with you in the announcements after church, We've got some small groups coming up and some Wednesday night stuff that I'm hoping each one of you will find a way to, to get to participate in because we're going to be talking about how do we prepare ourselves, how do we nurture the soul so that we're ready and able to let the seed grow in us. The real question I think we should be asking today is when we're looking at the spiritual life in each one of us, what do we need to do 
to prepare or to nurture the soul so that we're ready to grow. You know, we're talking about seeds and the beauty of seeds and how seeds bring forth life and each spring they bring something new, but what happens if you plant a seed in the ground in the Antarctica? What happens? I mean, there's water there, right? Is it going to grow? Why not? It's too cold. Conditions aren't right, right? What happens, what happens if you plant it somewhere that's, that's dry, that's hot, but there's, there's no moisture? What you want to know, actually, the, that palm, that date palm seed that I told you that's been waiting 2,000 years, it's been hot and it's been dry. It hasn't grown for 2,000 years because it was waiting, waiting for moisture and good soil. You see, in our own lives, we have to think about, is, are we ready? Have we prepared ourselves our spirit ready to grow, grow deep in the Word of God, to reach high, to be in the presence of God. And we're going to be talking about our spiritual practices during Lent. We're going to be talking about different areas of our spiritual life. And we're going to be talking about where, where we're strong, but also where are the areas we might grow in. Because we need to prepare ourselves so that we can grow spiritually. And this is the right season during Lent to really think about how we're doing it to encourage one another and to grow together. We don't want to be the seed that just sits dormant. We're called to be the seed, just like Christ, that brings life, that brings hope, that stirs the spirit in those around us. So today, I invite you to begin to ask the question. Next week, I'm actually going to start the sermon series on Lent a week early because it's kind of a prep and we're going to be talking about each of the, the spiritual um, discipleship or formation areas that we'll be talking about during Lent. But I invite you today to be thinking about, are there areas in my life that prevent the growth of the Spirit? Are there areas in my life that are not allowing me to become the person or this beautiful spiritual being that God is calling me to be? Am, am I still stuck as a seed? Because I don't believe that our spiritual life has to wait to begin to grow until we pass from this life. Brothers and sisters, we're called here and now to be a part of the living kingdom of God, to re represent the living word of God. So today I invite you to ponder and invite God into challenge. Would you pray with me? Most holy and mighty God, we, we do give you thanks, praise, and glory, and honor. And we recognize that you have blessed us with your spirit. You have anointed us in the name of Jesus Christ. And you have filled us with all that is good. And we pray today that you would pour out your spirit upon us, renew us, and prepare us that we might be ready to grow deep and reach high to bring you glory and honor. Lord God, we invite you to challenge us. We invite you to stir in us. We pray it now in your holy and mighty name.